Voices of Hope is the podcast of New Hope Presbyterian Church of Castle Rock, Colorado. New Hope is a church that puts people first. You can listen to our sermons and podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and any other popular podcast platforms. This week, Pastor Russ brings us a sermon called The Work of Hope. It looks at how hope is hard and requires work, but that we can do hard things. It comes from Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 through 8. Every year, we take time to do what we just did. One way or another, formal and informal, will we remember those who have been part of our lives and have blessed it, who put their fingerprints on us and made us who we are. I wonder who you were remembering, who you were celebrating. It was at an occasion like what we commemorate just now, about a month ago, and someone who had gone through a great tragedy, great loss, and knowing that we were in this series on hope was able to just be honest and just say, listen, I, I don't feel all that hopeful right now. I've heard that a lot, and I, I love the honesty of that. I hate the places where, especially in church, where you have to feel you have to put a hopeful face on even when inside your heart is breaking. And at the same time, it's a serious thing to ask, how are we doing with our hope? Because there are those times when hope doesn't seem to be there. We go to the tank and it's empty. How are you doing on the old hope-o-meter this morning? How is your buoyancy, your resiliency? How, how is that sense of passion or expectation about what's yet to come? How's that meter going when it comes to things like meaning and purpose? Or do you find yourself, in part because one of the symptoms of a low hopo meter is people find themselves more agitated more easily, angry more often, anxious, consistently. They find themselves sometimes with detachment or apathy. Uh, I probably just need to stop and say, I understand that this sounds an awful lot like grief, and I understand this sounds an awful lot like depression, some of it. I'm not really talking about that. I'm not trying to put a spiritual band-aid on things that are part of life. And Grief is real, and people can be hopeful in the middle, middle of it. Depression is real, and there are treatments and medications. And at the same time as that is being done, it can, there's also the issue of hope. Faith, love, all those things can seem like very dry words when the hope-o-meter is low when there really isn't much going on and then it feels like you're just going through the motions, who do you know? Who do you know maybe who's doing that right now? How about you? This morning I want to talk then about the work of hope and, and how that fits in and how do we, how to restore, how do we renew And I guess the first thing to say is that hope is hard. Hope is hard. Hope is hard when everything around you doesn't seem to be going the way it's supposed to be going. When the things that you were expecting aren't happening and in fact just the opposite. Maybe maybe the tide is moving out when you need it to move in and it's not there. Hope, Hope is hard. 
But as I was reminded by a precocious preschooler not too long ago, who reminded me, Grandpa, my teacher says, we can do hard things. We can. We do. Hope is hard. And we can do hard things. I guess the first piece of, of, of the work of hope is just to realize how hope is work. It's not just a feeling that comes and goes. That's hopefulness. That's lovely. But hope isn't a feeling. Hope is a choice. Hope isn't the same as optimism. Hope isn't the same as just being upbeat. Those things come and go. Those are great. The hope that's in the Bible, the hope that is ours, the hope that is the people of hope, is not a destination as much as it's a discipline. It is, it is a determination. It is a, an orientation of life. It is a long obedience in the same direction towards the reality of hope. Whether it feels hopeful or not, that, that is when hope takes root. In fact, I believe that hope is... Hope only really begins when hopefulness has stopped, when the normal things that, that make us happy, upbeat, and optimistic, when those things run out, there, there, that's the place, isn't it? Where the work of hope can actually begin. It's, hope's a lot like love that way, isn't it? You don't have to feel loving in order to love. Hope's a lot like gratitude. You don't have to feel, feel grateful to do the work of gratitude. There is a work of hope, and then, and then when we do that, something begins to change. G.K. Chesterton had that, that same notion when he said this. He says, hope means hoping when things are hopeless, or it's no virtue at all. As long as matters are really hopeful, hope is mere flattery or platitude. It's only when everything is hopeless that hope begins to be a strength. How's your hopometer this morning? And if it's low, maybe this is the perfect time to be talking about, so what is the work of hope and what needs to be done? Because part of hope, hope begins when all the other things that make for us to be hopeful, optimistic, and upbeat, and all those good things we like to be around here, when those go away, because it is the letting go of and having to come to grips with the sadness of the loss of the lesser hopes, the smaller hopes that are part of our life. Whether I, I was hoping to get a job, and I didn't get that job. I was hoping to go to the prom, and I didn't get that prom. Didn't get to go to the prom, at least not with the right person. I was, I was hoping that the tests would come back different, and they didn't hoping there would be a treatment that would work, and it didn't. These are the things that become the occasions, and it's not that these hopes are bad when I say they're small. They're just not big enough. These are, these are part of the, the finite part of who we are, that everybody has to go, and we all, we all have to let go of certain things, our strength, our, our, uh, our, our opinion of ourselves, our ego, all those things that we finally have to let go of, and it always feels like death because it is. 
It's the death of a future that we had in mind. We had put our hope in what we hoped, what we had thought, what we expected, what we counted on would be the future, and it's not there, and that is a real death. But it's only when those lesser hopes are released that we are able to grab onto and orient ourselves to the, the greater hope of God's future, the hope of what God is doing in our midst. It's Martin Luther King Jr. talked about that the goal of life, and I would say the goal of anybody who is a person of hope, is to accept the finite disappointments of life and yet never lose the infinite hope of God. That's the work of hope. And an example of that when Paul talks later on in, in the New Testament, he talks about, listen, we all understand that the perishable, the stuff of the finite part of who we are, as good as it is, can never inherit the imperishability. When we, when we recognize that there is a handoff and a letting go of those things, ah, then hope starts to take on a different attitude and a different strength. So the example of that would be our passage today. There was a church in Colossae. <clears throat> And Paul is writing to them. Colossae is the, uh, kind of the, the fraternal twin, if you will, of the book of Ephesians. Colossians and Ephesians, very similar. Under, most people think they were written at the same time. Ephesians was written to a group that Paul had lived in. And then because there was another group over here where the, the gospel had spread, writing very similar kind of things to a group that he really hadn't met, didn't know as intimately. And in that is this this encouragement, and, and listen for the clues. Listen for the clues that are there about what does it mean to be a person of hope. Because it, it is in this place that not everything was going well, and there weren't always reasons to be optimistic. There was conflict. There was disillusionment. There was disappointments. There was discouragement. There was real danger. All these things are there. And so how is it that these people maintained and became people of hope? And we begin, and you want to read it at home, it's Colossians, the first chapter, verses 3 to 5, or 3 to 8. It's up here on the screen. We always give thanks to God, Paul says, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. We've done this since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all God's people. You have this faith and love because the hope reserved for you in heaven you previously heard about this hope through this true message, the good news which has come to you. And now this message has been bearing fruit and growing among you since the day you heard and truly understood God's grace in the same way that is bearing fruit and growing in the whole world. You learned it from Epaphras, who's the fellow slave we love and Christ's faithful minister for your sake. He informed us of your love in the Spirit. In the midst of all that is going on and all that Paul is addressing, he's able to say the message that has been bearing fruit and growing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. And in the same way, the same truth is, is spreading everywhere. There is something afoot. There is something that God is doing. You, you grabbed hold of it, and it's bearing fruit. It got me thinking about this 
this image that we're using of the tree of life. And, and the medallions, the, the, the pendants that we have, I don't know if you've gotten one yet, I hope you have. We're giving, this is our theme throughout the whole year about what does it mean to be a people of hope? And we invite you to put this on a, it's on a ribbon so you can use it as a bookmark. You can put it on your keychain. You can put it anywhere where it will remind you that we are to be people of hope. We are meant to bear fruit. And while there's all kinds of different things, we know it's at least going to include some of what Paul calls the fruits of the Spirit in the book of Galatians. Love, joy, and peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. How is the fruit of the Spirit growing in you? Understanding this, we don't produce that. That God produces that through us. I can't wake up and say, I want, today I'm going to be patient today. I can try. <laughs> I'm going to be kind. I'm just going to muscle it up and I'm just going to, you know, maybe I can get through lunch sometimes. This isn't about something that we're going to, we're going to just produce out of ourselves and will unto ourselves. This, this is about something deeper. Hope is a choice. Fruit is a, is a result of taking care, of nurturing the roots, and strengthening the core, and out of that, out of that, fruit begins. But it's the long game. It's, and there is a sense of, there's a there's an attitude, if you will, to this kind of a thing. There is this sense of nevertheless, nevertheless, things aren't going the way I want them to go. Things are hard and things are tragic. And nevertheless, I'm going to do the things that make for fruit because I believe it's there. You may have had the experience the last couple of days like we did at our house yesterday of raking leaves. There's a lot of leaves. We have a gardener in our house. I'm the assistant, and I get to help rake leaves, and I'm always amazed by the abundance. But if you were to come back to Castle Rock, if you were to come back to our house in another month, it will look like everything's dead. All that abundance and all that is gone, and it'd be easy for the non-gardeners among us to say it's all died. It's only the gardeners who understand the rhythms of life who say, well, now is the time to take care of in the soil. Now is the time to cut things back. Now is the time to be planting certain things. Not because there's something instant, but because this is what you do when you want to see fruit later. The work of hope is taking care and nurturing the roots. That's why we have that tree of life. Nurturing the roots, strengthening the core so that there can be fruit. There is a sense of nevertheless, nevertheless, I'm going to do this. It's not an accomplishment. It's not a goal. Hope is more of a discipline. It's a way of orienting our life. And that's why we have used this symbol throughout this series and throughout this year. I knew that as we were coming out of COVID, we would need something to, to focus on, and it needed to be simple. Last year, we talked about the word beloved and how we were beloved in all the various aspects. This, this year, we're going to be talking about what does it mean to be the people of hope? And so hopefully you will get bored with this. Hopefully you'll say, oh my gosh, this again. But then pay attention. Because this isn't one thing waiting for the next thing to happen. This is saying, 
and, I'm and I decided I was going to make this simplify and boil it down to the essence. What is the work of hope? It's the work of gathering. It's the work of praying. It's the work of serving. It's the work of learning. These are the things we do to take care and nurture the roots. These are the things we do to strengthen the core of who we are. And if our hopeometer is low, nevertheless, these are the things we're going to do. Because hope is hard. And it's more than a feeling. It really is a decision. And these are the things that we're going to do to nourish our hope and produce fruit in our life. We've really got a, a clue in that with our passage. When, when Paul is writing, he says, we always give thanks when we remember you. We get a clue in how to do that with today. The, the day we celebrate the saints, the people who have lived up before us and upon whose shoulders we stand. Upon our, on our shoulders, they have their hands who are cheering for us. Because the work of hope is hard, but we don't have to do it alone. Who, who did you think of, by the way, when, when we were asking for a time of silence? And what was it about them that you were grateful? Their courage? Their compassion? Their steadfastness? Their faithfulness? What was it about them that, that said, oh, I want to remember how they filled your life and what they did, because that may be a clue as to something that is to be nurtured and strengthened in your own life. Because just assuredly as we are here, and just assuredly as we are the recipients of all those good things that people have done to get us here and to make us who we are, there are things that you and I are going to do that are going to have an effect to the next generation, to the people around us. So this isn't just a you know, sort of a personal, private little thing. We are part of something larger. We give thanks every time we remember you and your love and your faith and how you are blessing people. Discouragement is contagious, but then so is hope, and that's why we need one another. Because hope builds, hope borrows, hope grows, and hope strengthens. And I decided I would close today just by talking about who are the people and what are the things that give me hope today? What are the things that, when I pay attention, that help fill the tank and nurture and strengthen? Most of, when I think of those four areas, most of them have to do, my first ones always go to serve. And, and I haven't talked about this person for a long time, and I thought I would bring it back. In my office, where I hang my robe and my coat and my stoles and all those things, is this hanger. This hanger was a gift from a woman named Flora back in the state of Washington. And Flora, when I met her, was well into her 80s, close to 90, and lived many years into that. And when I would go to visit Flora, most of life had, the tides had gone away. She uh, was frail of health. She lived in a, a trailer, in a trailer park. It was nice, it wasn't decrepit, it was, but it was alone. Her kids had all grown, her husband had died many years ago. Flora was a force of nature. I know that because when I would go back and look at the old records of the church I was at, in those days they would have the man's name and then they, when they were referring to a woman, it would be Mrs. and then the last name. 
for everyone except Flora. When it mentioned Flora, it just said Flora. <laughs> and she had been involved in a lot of things, but on this side of her life, when things were going out and her health was going, she decided to take up crocheting. She said because she needed something, otherwise her hands would just freeze up completely. So she began crocheting, and then she began to crochet hangers. And every person who ever went to Flora's trailer got a hanger, or two. And she would invite you to go into the bedroom where all the hangers were there and to pick one, and you would come out with the one or two that you had, and she would write in the book which hanger you had, what color, what pattern. And as she said, this keeps her fingers limber, and this gave her hope and encouragement, but nobody ever left there thinking that her heart was the only one that had been given encouragement or that her life and her fingers were the only things that were limbered up. There was a whole life built around simple acts of mercy, of charity. People like Flora give me hope. Our passage means Epaphras, the person who brought the gospel to the Colossians, not Paul. And I got thinking about the people who teach in our church, our Sunday school teachers, and all the ones who invest themselves for the next generation. They give themselves not to just the need of the day, but with the hope of what is that going to be? How is this lesson going to impact a life 20 years, 30 years, 50 years from now? And not just the, the content of a curriculum, but the content of a, of a heart and the person who's there. Those people give me hope. And, and it's not just Sunday school teachers, but it's all the other people around. We are in that period of where new ministries are coming up, and whether it's encouragement, whether it's people making a difference, whether it's ambassadors online, or we're trying to start some new ones. And I, I'm encouraged by the people saying, yeah, I'll do that. that that's got my name. I want to do that. And it's not because I feel particularly hopeful or jolly or at the moment, but this is important. And so it's investing in that future. It's investing in the future of God. And that what we're doing with stewardship. For those who don't go here or online who don't understand, every church has their own way of doing this. And our way is that we ask our members to, to make pledges. That's not easy, especially if it's been a hard year, especially if you don't know. We ask people to make pledges. And when they do, they pledge to something that's beyond them, beyond just this week, this month. And in the idea that what we're doing and what we're giving to is more than just what's right now, but it is something that is in the future. We're investing in that. And the stories, that I love what, what they have gathered together is those stories of people saying, this is what it has meant to me, that the love of God, and the grace of God, the gifts of God, have they have worked through me. I, I get encouraged by those. Because I see that ongoing work of God. I get encouraged by the work of prayer and our deacons. Our deacons were up there this morning and all the work that they do. And every week they put out a list for us. And I love the prayer that's there. And I love the way that they give prayer and do prayer. I love it because in some churches, the idea is that the only person who can officially pray is the pastor. Those are the real prayers. You know, the, the next level is the associate pastor, you know. <laughs> and I know Jordan and I are just delighted that that's not around here. And that our deacons do an amazing ministry of prayer as well. I found it for my own life, prayer. Whether it's groups like Oasis, and contemplative prayer, or 
just my own personal. Those are things that affect the needle on the hopeful meter, I can tell you. It is tending the roots. I, I, I'm not manufacturing hope. I'm tending the roots. I'm strengthening the core. Things are happening. Things are happening with the groups like race and racism. And the idea of learning. Learning about stuff that maybe we don't want to have to learn about. Wish we weren't even true. But hope doesn't shrink from hard things. In fact, I think hope is kind of drawn to them. Men's group is another place that we met yesterday for the first time together in the same room. And there was this sense of joy that many of you have had when you haven't been with your group for, you know, 20 months or so. And you're there together. And there's this sense of we, we gather. And there's joy. And whether we're doing it in person or virtual, we, we, we need one another because hope is contagious. Just like discouragement. And it does build. And then we're here. We gather in worship. We gather around a table. We gather around a table of communion that we are told, particularly on this Sunday, is it's not just those in the room, and it's not just those in the room and those who are online. It is all the saints who have ever lived and ever will. We are, in a sense, present. This is a big table that we are a part of. And it connects us to the source, because here's probably the most important thing about the work of The most important thing about the work of hope is the hardest work's already been done. When we gather around this table, we remember what God has done, and it is, it is what God has done, and it's because of what God has done. When, when it says, you have this faith and this love because of the hope reserved for you in heaven, this isn't saying you have to wait until you die to get it. It is because this is here for you and you participate in it now. This isn't a way of distracting or, or denying it. And spiritualizing, this is a way of living in the reality of the here and now with a particular orientation because of what God has already done. There is a way to talk about faith and hope and love in a sort of an if-then. It's transactional. If I do this, then God will do this. If I pray, then God will answer. If I pray the right way, maybe. If I love, if I do, then God will be pleased. If I do these things, then God will draw close to me. Those are transactional things. And while it's natural and normal, it's always good when we outgrow those things. And recall that the real key word in all of this is because. It's because of the hope that's already been accomplished. When we start with because, then everything we do is in response. Because God has done this, therefore now we do this. Because God has created and breathed life into you. Because there is nothing that you're going to do in this life that's going to make you, God love you more or less. Because Christ has shared our humanity and defeated sin, sickness, and death. Because not even the gates of hell will be able to stand against what God has accomplished. And because God is at work in our creation and in our lives right now to bring to create, to bring to completion that life. The, the will of God, the, the life of heaven and making it here on earth. And because the Spirit of God is at work in you and in me right now, therefore, we participate in that life. We can say yes to it. We give ourselves to the practices that help us connect to it. We don't have to try to manufacture it. We just have to connect to it. We can access the hope of God and the passion for what God has made possible. Our life can bear fruit in this life, now. And 
we can draw from the examples and the legacies that we've been given. We get to come to this table and say, we give thanks. The Greek word for we give thanks is Eucharisto. One of the names for this table, what we're going to do is the Eucharist. It is because of what God has done, we give thanks and we live differently and we are oriented. As we get ready to come to this table today, how's the hopometer in you? And if we're going to do the work of hope, understand that hope is hard work, but we can do hard things. And we are. We are. Let that spread because we don't have to do this alone. We get to do this together. We should only do these things together because hope does build and hope does work through and becomes resilient as we become contagious to one another. Because the hardest work of hope is already done. And it's been done in Christ. And because of what God has done, then, then, we get to come and give thanks and become more and more people of hope. Will you join me in prayer? Oh God, where our hope is thin today, Help us to grab hold of what's already there, to see what's already in front of us. And then when it is beyond us at any given moment, as it is for all of us sometime, encourage us with the lives that you put around us. As we cheer one another on, as we champion the work that you have begun in us, that you are still bringing to completion. That our lives might bear fruit. As indeed happens when the true message is received. Here and throughout the world. This day, oh God, this day as we come to your table, may we be people of hope. Through Christ in whose name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Voices of Hope. If you've enjoyed our podcast, please rate and review it and share it with your friends. Go in peace and have a wonderful week.